Because a lot of times in life, and we have to teach our children this, but we don't need to lose it as adults, that learning to say no when you want to say yes and yes when you want to say no could be one of the best moves you can make. It's a discipline. It's a practice. It's a habit. It's where you just have to do that, whether it's on business and business practices or it's diet or it's going to the gym or whatever it is. You just got to say yes and no, whether it's getting an education and it's pursuing that education and finishing that degree when you want to quit. It's being able to say yes when you want to say no and no when you want to say yes because you don't want to stay where you're at. You want to move from here to there. Business and and sports and all of that, the word discipline fits into it. Jim Collins said it like this, a cultural of discipline is not a principle of business, it's a principle of greatness. If I want greatness, if I want a life that's well lived, as this whole quest series is about, that the word discipline is going to have to fit in there. It's not going to be handed to me. It's not going to, I'm just going to sneeze and it's going to happen to me. That I'm going to have this great life, this, uh, this beautiful life full of uh, all my dreams fulfilled. I will have to understand certain practices and processes and disciplines and habits. And I must take that on myself. And I must own that as a part of the process. Greatness and discipline go together hand in glove, and you can't separate it. In any area of your life, again, diet, exercise, education, work, whatever it may be, even in your own spiritual life, there are disciplines of the Christian faith and life that I must own if I'm going to be the follower of Christ that I want to be. It doesn't just happen on its own. Now, we again, we've been in this quest series since uh, the end of summer, and we looked at what we are in quest for of. We're in quest of love. We're in quest of belonging. We're in quest of becoming. If we know the disciplines, if we practice the, practice the disciplines, I believe we will put ourselves on the right course to know real deep, meaningful love, to become a part of a culture and a family and a tribe of like-minded people on the same path as you seeking that life well lived. And you will become that. And it's not just as easy as one, two, and three. This is a life. This is a marathon. This is something that we must practice. And this is not a a list of do's and don'ts. This is a list of practices and habits. And it's not my list. I don't have a master list. There's not a master list in the Bible. There's not the Ten Commandments and right next to the Ten Commandments. Here's the Ten Practices. Or here's the Ten Disciplines. When you look back over history, and you look back to the early church founders, and you look back to the patriarchs of the faith, and you look back to the life of Christ, and you look back to the Desert Fathers, and you look into denominations, Catholics and Baptists, and you'll find that there are several disciplines, habits, practices that rise to the top as these are value adds to your life. So that you can live that life without regret, a life well lived, a life that at the end of your life you will be pleased and others will have much to say of. Now, I didn't create this these two classifications, but I think it's a a pretty good classification and in in this discipline there's two kinds of disciplines the discipline of engagement that in, discipline of engagement is the idea of there are certain things as a follower of Christ that I need to practice I need to study, I need to worship, I need to serve, I need to be on mission, I need to pray it's the doings, okay there are doings of the Christian faith and then there are the, the, the disciplines of abstinence. There are things in our lives that we just, we, we stop. We fast from. We seek solitude. We seek silence. Uh, 
This is where we learn to empty and learn to be and not do. And sometimes we're going to have messages on being and sometimes we're going to have messages on doing. And sometimes we're going to be called and these are just the disciplines. And these disciplines make us bigger, make us stronger, help us to become what we want to become. Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the first known white man, uh, European to climb Mount Everest. And in that, in that desire and that pursuit of climbing Mount Everest, uh, he failed several times. And every time he fell, he would fail forward. He would learn from his mistakes, make some correction of errors, come back and try it again. But I loved at one point, whenever he fell, he turned around at the bottom of the base of the mountain and he shook his fist at the mountain. And with great determination, he says, I defeat, I'll defeat you yet because you're as big as you're going to get, but I'm still growing. That's a person who has said, you might defeat me today, but you will not defeat me tomorrow because I'm still becoming. And what I'm saying about these disciplines is these disciplines make us stronger. These disciplines make us bigger. These disciplines grow us when we do them in a healthy way and environment. So again, one of these disciplines or practices that we've been talking about. The first week I had taught Aaron here and he spoke on mission. We are to live a life of mission. We are called to be on mission. And I'll make some point to that even in th- today's message. You can't read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and miss the fact that mission is a part of the discipline of a, of a life well lived. Living on mission to the ends of the earth. Living on mission to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Know of Christ. That is the mission. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus did. And then sent us to the ends of the earth. So you can't, we can't escape it. We can't put it off on someone else. We can't deny it's our role. That would be a discipline of engagement. That's something we do. But then last week I spoke about more of a discipline of abstinence. If you were here, talked about silence and solitude and scripture that we need to pull aside from the busyness of this chaos of this world. We need to stop. We need to tell the world to stop. We need to take back and redeem the time because the world's not going to give it to us. And so we're going to have to tell the world to stop. You tell the world to stop. And then we take control of that by entering into silence and solitude. Now, you can stop right there. And a lot of people would stop right there and say, hey, that's good enough for me. I just, all, that's all I need. I just need to get the kids out of the house. All right. I just need to turn off the television. I just need to put down my iPhone. You know, things like that. But it's not just entering into silence and emptying our head of stuff. It's actually emptying our head and our hearts and our souls of stuff so that we might enter it and fill it with the right stuff. And that's where scripture comes in. There's a lot of religions in the world that practice meditations. But what we're not talking about is silence and solitude. We're talking about silence, solitude, and scripture that brings it all together. Today I want to talk about another discipline of engagement, and that would be of worship and service. Now, worship and service, you can't separate the two. You could talk about one, you could talk about the other, but if you really want to see them in a healthy balance, you really want to see the synergy of them, there is a synergy between worship and service. One feeds on the other, one feeds into the other, and one reestablishes the other. They fit together hand in glove. They're heads and tails of the same coin, to use some of our uh, idioms. Paul himself said in in the book of Romans, the most theologically densely packaged book, he says in there, after he ends all this theological discourse, he comes to Romans 12. There's probably not a more quoted passage when it comes to the concept of worship than Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
And in verse 2, he says this, present your bodies as a, a living sacrifice. Sounds like a worship service to me. Presenting yourselves, your bodies, your lives as a sacrifice to God. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So again, you cannot separate worship from service and service from worship. They go together. They're like inhaling and exhaling. You can't just inhale and you can't just exhale. It doesn't work that way. It's an involuntary action of our bodies that we don't even have to tell ourselves to do. In fact, you can try to tell yourself not to do one of the other and see how long that works for you. It doesn't work so well. You didn't wake up this morning and say, oh, I need to push the button to breathe again. Or you didn't wake up this morning, all right? That's what it comes down to. The point is, is that we just do it and we do it all involuntarily. It just happens. And until we tell ourselves not to do that, then it happens. We enter into this world and the first thing we do is we get a spanking from the doctor. So the hopes that we will start breathing. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. We've been spanking ever since. Not just to breathe, but other reasons. You know, you, you, you go through life and you learn the value of breathing. And in fact, you're even if you're a, a dad... I can remember whenever we had Jordan and Jordan was just being born, we went to this class and we even graduated from this class and she got, she got training in how to give birth and I got training in how to help her breathe. I was, I got a title. I mean, this is a guy thing. Okay. Guys got to have a title. They got to have certificates, an official job. Basically I was the breathing coach. I think they do that for the male's ego, all right? You've got to have a task, you've got to have a job, and if you don't have a job, you're going to mess things up. So here, you're the breathing coach. Just stand over here and breathe. Don't pass out, help her breathe, and you can breathe along the way. Breathing, it's important. You learn in fitness that breathing is important. You can shave seconds off a race. You can win gold medals or you can not even win a medal based on split seconds, and that second can be based on the depth and the, and the breadth of your own breathing. We know the value of it. I told our North Point new members class that met this weekend, we can appreciate it even more so when it's gone. I've, in 24 years, I'll celebrate 25 years of ministry that last Sunday of, uh, of, uh, of December this year. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've done a funeral, a memorial service, and stood at the head of a casket and I can't think of one time that I've stood there that I've ever stood there and thought, okay, this person knew that it was their last breath. That the family members around absolutely knew this was the last breath. Now, I've been there in those last moments. I've been there with the families in the last moments. I've had families die, pass away and be there in those last moments. I get all of that. But if we just had one more moment with them, if we just had one more memory with them, if I could just have one more conversation with them. You know what I mean? Those moments, you take them for granted until, boom, whoosh, they're gone. Breathing, you cannot test take it for granted. You can live 40 days without food. We know that from Scripture. You can live three, four days without water, and then you begin to dehydrate and die at that point. But you can only live seconds without breathing. Knowing how to breathe and breathing well is important and breathing the right stuff is important along the way. Hey, Mike, where are you going with this whole worship and service thing? Just hang with me. It'll all come together, I think, in the end. Here's a life principle for you. You can't exhale what you don't inhale. All right? This is a little bit of common sense, but hang with me. Go with me. 
Everything you inhale is meant to be exhaled. Your body was made that way. The amount of air that you take in, you will exhale that same velocity, that same amount. It just comes and goes that way. It's the way our lungs are, the way our body was built. And there's certain things that we need to realize, certain facts about breathing, I think, that will help us appreciate the life that we have, even lead us into worship and even steer us into life of service. If we understand breathing as full extent, three facts. Number one fact is that God is our breath. And this needs to be appreciated every day. Every day. I know it's hard to to say appreciate every breath. I know that because we do it all so common. But take your Bibles and look at the book of Genesis, the very first book. You can't miss it. It's the only time it happens in Scripture. And he started something in motion And it's been happening ever since because of what happened in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 and following. It says in chapter, verse 4, it says, There are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. And in the day the Lord God made the earth and heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant on the field and, and had sprung up, For the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. And then the Lord God formed the man. Of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils, now, if you have your Bibles, if you have a hard copy, if you have a highlighter function on your, on your electronic Bible, then highlight this next phrase. He breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature, and the Lord uh, planted a, a garden of Eden in, in the east, and he, put, and he put the man whom he had formed and he, out of the ground, and the, and the Lord God made... Uh, to spring up from every tree, the pleasant uh, that was in the, to, to the site, and good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree and the knowledge of good and evil. So we have this formation, we have this creation, we have these streams, we have this watering system, we have this earth, we have it all formed, and it's all beautiful, but it's not all equal. I love trees, I love nature with anybody else, but I'm not going to put... What God does with this human being on the same scale, because the only thing that God breathed into was man. And he breathes into him. Now, don't take it for granted. Please dwell on this. Meditate on this. Let this sink in a little bit. That he breathed into you and I the breath of life. Now, what's the breath of life other than our now hearts functioning, our vital organs are working? Plato taught that God breathed into man his soul, his essence, his core, his everlasting being. Breathing in God. Breathing in, taking in that bit of God's likeness and image, the Imago Dei that becomes a part of us that makes us unique from all the other creation of the world is a beautiful moment. We carry with us the breath of God. Don't take that for granted. Breathe him in. 
Erwin McManus said it like this, the more of God we breathe in, the more humane we are. The less you breathe God in, the less humane you become. The breath of God gives life. The breath of God gives us the reason to live, the reason to worship, the reason to focus our life on God is because He is our breath. Without His breath, we have no breath. Ezekiel had a vision, a vision of dry bones and nothing but dead skeleton bones out there. But in this vision, in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 10, it says, Breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet and an exceeding great army. God breathed over the valley of dry bones and there became life in his vision. Not in a vision, but in reality, Job knew life. Job knew death. Job knew the value of having your children one moment and seeing them snuffed out the next. Seeing life and death first on. And he writes about it in his, in his, in his work by his own name. In Job 27 verse 3 it says, As long as I live, while I have breath from God, my lips will speak no evil. Job realized that the breath that he is breathing, the, the very the very essence of life that he's carrying, the one that gets him up in the morning, that lays him down at night, the one that keeps him moving day in and day out, that keeps him functioning, is not of his own doing. It's because the breath of God was in him and breathed into him and it kept him going throughout life. That alone is enough to cause me to want to drop to my knees and thank you, God, for another day, another breath, another moment with my family, another moment with, with you. To breathe and not take it for granted. I want you to just remember this phrase. I'm going to come back to it quite a bit. The quality of, of our inhale determines the quality of our exhale. What are you breathing in? Are you, are you taking times of solitude and silence and, and just breathing in God? That's why the last week's message feeds into this week's message is because if we'll have the times of silence and solitude in Scripture, if we'll pull aside from the craziness of the world, we'll turn off the family and the television and all the other noise gadgets that are in this world and we'll pull aside. We can breathe Him in with a clarity and a purity and, and an authenticity that you don't get any other way. Breathing is natural. Breathing good air, non-toxic air is a different story. Tell you of a, of a time that I was in California, in Southern California. I was out in LA for about a week, and uh, I was uh, just looking for a competition to get into, I, like a competition from time to time. And and uh, so there was a bi there was a biathlon that was going to be uh, just off of Santa Monica Pier, and and it's going to be on Saturday, so I could do it all in one day and be done. And so I signed up for it, and I went to it. And uh, the biathlon was a swim 500 meters, come back and run five miles. Now, I run about as fast as a step above a mall walker, all right? So I'm not fast, but I can swim. In fact, I enjoy swimming. I used to swim before I did CrossFit. And so I, I enjoy swimming. It's one of those things that uh, I can do pretty good. I can hold my own in, in the pool and I can swim for a long time. And um, so I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get into this race. I'm going to swim and I'm going to, I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to be in the top 10 to 15%. I know there's going to be some young bucks there, but I'm going to get in the top 10 to 15% in the swim and then I'll fall back to about 50%. All right. In the run, but I'll finish in the top 50. That was, that was my plan. 
And so I had never swam in the ocean. I'd never swam in L.A. in, in that whole area in, in the water. And when we got to the when we got to the to Santa Monica Pier to start the race that that Saturday morning, uh, I had no clue and didn't even register in my mind what 55 degree water would feel like. Um, <laughs> If you have a domestic swimming pool, you have it between 78 and about 83. And your body's about 98. So, you know, you just don't, you don't measure those things. I mean, I, I might put a sweater on, on in a 55 degree weather, but I, I'm okay. I got a wetsuit to do this. And so everyone else had a wetsuit. So I was going to get a wetsuit. I didn't know again what I was getting into. And so all of a sudden the pistol sounds, we all take off running. I am in the top 10% when we get to the water. Okay. And then I am high kneeing it out in the water, my big long legs. And I am high kneeing it as high as I can until it was time to dive into the water. And I dove into the water and all of a sudden <gasps> the cold water came over me. And as sure as I went, <gasps> I went like that into the, in the water. And all of a sudden, seawater and anything that was in that water was in me and a part of me. And I came up choking uh, and uh, trying to not drown in this much water. And, um, and so, so I, I, I thought, okay. And all the other time, these swimmers are starting to swim beside me. And so I thought, okay, here I go. I'm, I'm going to take off now. And, and I, 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 I start into my, into my crawl stroke. And, and as soon as my wa- face hit the water, <gasps> again, another gulp of water. I'd come up gasping and, and, and trying to, to recover. It was a pathetic thing. Uh, uh, sadly, um, I ended up having to crawl, back crawl my way through 500 meters of water. It was not a, a pretty sight. That's not the worst news, though. Um, literally that week, I got out and uh, was driving in L.A. and listened to the radio and uh, listened to one little bit of news that literally caused me to pull over the side of the road and write it down because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. They said that week they had released the environmental studies of the local beaches in Southern California. And Santa Monica Beach was one of the seven dirtiest waters. I'm not finished yet. Due to the high levels of fecal matter in the water. Okay? Kids, if you don't know what fecal matter is, it doesn't make your breath smell good. All right? The quality of your inhale will determine the quality of your exhale. How well are you inhaling God? Or do you have your own God? Number two about breathing is God's breath is our power. It's not merely that He gives us breath that we would live and do and be according to our own pleasures but that we would live and be and do according to what He desires for us, that we would take on through the breath and the power of God. Now, we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture. We're going to kind of scan the nearly the whole Bible. We're going to be in the Old Testament. Now we're going to go to the New Testament, go to the book, Gospel of John, uh, and find John's Gospel, chapter 20. At the end of John's Gospel, you find Jesus uh, finishing up His ministry after His resurrection, and there are... 
There are 40-something times that Jesus is referred to in the Gospels as the sent one. Now, that's important. We heard that a few weeks ago from, um, from uh, Todd Aaron when he was here. 40 different times, but now we see Jesus doing something else. He is sending us. He's sending us out into the world. The same God that sent Jesus, Jesus is now sending us. There's this sent factor that goes on in verse 20, or verse 19 uh, of John chapter 20. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked and the disciples were for fear of the Jews. You still see the fear in the disciples being gripped. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said to them, he showed them his hands and his side where he'd been pierced through. And then the disciples were glad. They went from fear to gladness. And when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them, peace be with you. Second time he says, peace to them in the same passage. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. If you have been at Grace Point Church any length of time, you know we talk about being sent. We've got a a young 20-something guy in a Muslim country right now teaching English as a second language, Eric Madden, who's there. And he's a new believer in the Lord, but he's teaching English to Muslims in hopes that he can build relationships to share the, the gospel with them. We have a team on the ground right now in West Africa that's there on the ground on their way out to to. To, to the village that we do work in, that there's only eight believers because we believe as a church that we are to be sent. I'm leading a team in a few weeks. We're going to have uh, to, to India. We have teams going out constantly. Why? Because as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Pure and simple. I think we all know that, but I don't think all of us read the rest of the passage. The next verse. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a time, not the day of Pentecost. This is before the day of Pentecost. When he breathed on his disciples and they not only were sent, they now had the power of God in them to go. It's not going on your own, going on your own power, going in your own wisdom, going in your own strength. It's going and going because God has sent you and because His Spirit is in you. He is breathed into you, a part of you. He becomes a part of your life. See, this is what happened. Breathing in God's presence gives you God's mission. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, and He breathes on them. We have the mission of God inside of us and about us. Breathing in God's presence gives you God's words. As you go on mission, as you serve in our preschool, we have 35 positions right now in our kid nation. That's elementary. That's first or kindergarten to fifth grade. We have, we have 35 positions that we need filled by Grace Point members. The problem is, is that many of us are really good at inhaling, 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 and we're not so good at exhaling. So we come and we receive and we take in and we take in and we take in and we take in, but that was not how God designed it. He brought worship and He brought service together. And when He did, He said, hey, listen, by the way, I'm going to send you out to the nations and to your own community and to your own church. And listen, I'm going to send you out and I'm going to put my spirit in you. 
And I'm going to give you the words. Luke 12, 12 is one of my favorite verses where the Holy Spirit will teach you in the very hour what you ought to say. How, how can the Holy Spirit do that? Because the Holy Spirit is in every believer. That's how the Holy Spirit does what He does. He's in us. He gives us the words at the very hour. You need to memorize that verse. I can tell you right now, <laughs> and you, you don't know this because you're not in my skin, but you're just going to have to believe me. Every week I stand up here, I am nervous. This is not easy. And believe it or not, it's not the funnest thing in my life. I know every Sunday you go home and critique what I say. Yeah? So you're laughing because you know I caught you. You go home and you think about it. So I'm, I don't get pleasure in this. I'd rather be one-on-one with somebody under a mango tree in Africa. Seeing their life transform into greater and greater likeness of Christ. But God's called me here and He's called me here. And the only thing that keeps me here week after week is the assurance that maybe God will speak through me today at this hour while you're there. And the same way would be for you if you're sitting with a first grader or a junior high kid on Wednesday nights that God's going to give you the words because He's breathed into you and He has sent you to be about His work. Bringing in God's presence gives you His companionship as well. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, I will talk to the Father and He will provide another friend so that you will always have someone with you. You will always have someone with you. I want you to do a little exercise here now. I want you to do it with me. We're going to practice this. So take a few deep breaths. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. You're going to get those lungs uh, opening up. Now, what I want you to do, you've got to listen to the instructions, is I want you to take the deepest breath you can take. In a moment, not yet. You're going to take the deepest breath you can take, and you're going to hold it. And then you're going to wait for the second instructions, okay? Do not let the first breath out. All right, are you ready? Three, two, one, breathe in. Breathe in. Deep, 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 deep. Now hold it. All right. Now I want you to hold it. Now, now I want you to do is you're holding your breath. And if you start to pass out, do let your air out, okay? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, breathe in. And now, and then breathe in some more. Breathe in some more. <laughs> you can't do it. You had to open up. You had to let out before you could let some more in. It's not natural. Any more natural than it is for you to just take in God, just take in His Word, just take in His Spirit, just take in His presence, just take Him in, just enjoy His presence. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And by the way, I'm going to breathe on you and you're going to have my Spirit as you go into the world. I need some volunteers. Kyle, will you take that bucket? I uh, need some. Ben, would you come take these uh, buckets? Oh, we're going to start passing these out, these, these buckets around. Lori, would you take a bucket here? Uh, Jeff, would you take a couple of buckets? Uh, uh, Gabe, would you come down and grab a bucket or something like that? And just start passing these. You can, uh, you can take one. Here, take, one, take this bucket here if you don't mind. And uh, start just going like, like you're taking up an offering, okay? You all know how to do that. And so uh, don't put your offering in there. Take out, all right? Take out whatever's in there. Take out one of those and hold it. Don't open it yet, all right? I know it's going to kill you, but i got one more point to share with you, and then I'm going to let you open it. So we think about breathing in. 
And the quality of our inhale will greatly affect the quality of our exhale. And what we're breathing in is extremely important. So it brings me to the third fact about breathing is that our breath is God's aroma. Take your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You find here what scholars have believed to be is an insertion of another of Paul's letters. So we have 1 Corinthians, we have 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and then all of a sudden in the middle, kind of chapter 2, uh, chapter 2, let me see, it's in uh, verse 14, all the way to chapter uh, chapter 7, verse um, 4, they believe there's an insertion of another book, Okay. And so there could be as many as three to maybe four different letters that Paul has written, and we've got them kind of all mixed in together, simply because of the tone and the way he opens up his letters and the way he opens up in verse 14. But as you're looking there, I want us to relive and revisit a core value that we have at Grace Point. This is a core value we've had for a number of years, so this shouldn't be new to some of y'all. It might be a refresher for all of us, and that is this, is that a core value is that we will all worship one and serve one. That we will learn the value of inhaling and exhaling as a church. We will inhale, we will exhale. We will worship one, we will serve one. We see that that is a natural reflect uh, reaction to what God does in our life, that we not just to inhale and take it in. A life principle for you is the person who can breathe in the deepest is the person who can exhale the most. Again, if we focus so much of our time on inhaling, 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 but we need to realize that God has given us that breath so that we not keep it to ourselves, but that we would breathe it out. Now, where do I get this? If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, this is where this letter really takes off. This letter within the letter. He says in verse 14, he says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us to triumphal procession. Through us, listen, spreads the fragrance, the smell, the cologne, if you will, the fragrance of what? The knowledge of Him everywhere. We carry with us as we go to the nations, as we go to the preschool, as we go to the neighborhoods, as we go to our jobs, we carry with us a fragrance and that fragrance is to make Him known everywhere. This is why we can't just be a church for Northwest Arkansas. We must be a church for the nation. This is why it's not right for you to sit here and to breathe in but not to exhale into the next generation. We are fragrance. But here's, here's the beauty of this. is the next verse. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. As I breathe out, as I exhale, as I take the Spirit of God who's breathed into me and I've experienced Him in this worshipful experience of relating to Him and I breathe out into this world and I breathe out into people's lives, guess what? It's a fragrance to them, but it is an aroma of Christ 
to God. It becomes worship. Now God is looking at our service and he's seeing it as worship. You see the connection there? It takes us back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Our worship, our service becomes worship to God, becomes a sweet aroma to God. We are able to bring worship to God through our lives, through our service, through our mission, through our ministry. You want to know what God's call for your life is? I'll tell you what call God's call for everyone in this room's life is. Right here. I came for this day. Here it is. Every Christ follower needs a ministry in the church and a mission outside the church. Where are we? Where are you? How are you? At breathing in and breathing out. Into the nations, into the classrooms, into the next generation. You inhale whenever you experience the grace of God in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for we have been saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. By believing, you did not save yourself. It was something you inhaled. You experienced His grace in in, an amazing way. And He redeemed and saved and reconciled you to Himself. Verse 10. And you exhale when you serve. You exhale when you do good works. You exhale whenever you take your life and you breathe it into others. You know, that race day for me did not turn out so well in L.A. Um, I didn't end up in the top 10. I didn't end up in the top 50. I will say this. I say with much, much humility and pride, uh, much, much humility. Um, <laughs> I was the number one person in the state of Arkansas in the race, all right? They had us ranked by states, and I was first. I'll let you finish the rest of that thought. I came in 147th out of 150. There was an old man and an older woman that were behind me. I finished in the last 10, not the top 10. I blame it on the fecal matter that I was breathing in. It matters what you breathe It matters what you inhale. When you inhale God and you take Him in, there's a natural reflective response of you breathing Him out on mission to the people in your life, to the people around the world, to our children, to our next generation. I hope that you will be a part of breathing in and breathing out of service and worship.